0: Welcome to the 142nd episode of the Young Turfs Podcast. This is your host, Jordan Viner. And your co-host, Wayne Viner. Mason is away from the microphone. And we got quite a full episode today, including Maryland unveiling their new facilities plan and basketball's two dominant wins over Big Ten opponents. But first, this podcast is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals. I have known Donnie
1: at Allied Party Rentals for over 25 years. If you are having any sort of event, a wedding, a party, a street festival, Allied has everything you need. They have the tents, the chairs, silverware, musical equipment like speakers and bandstands, dance floors, the tablecloths, the napkins, everything you need to have one heck of a nice party. You can get that at Allied Party Rentals. Give them a call at 301-259-3690. You can reach them on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. 301-259-3690. And we'd like to thank Allied for being a sponsor for about the past 100
0: episodes plus of the Young Terps podcast. Well, let's start off with the and Rundown and to kick things off the non-rev report... First off, women's basketball followed their big win and their first ranked win of the season, by the way, over number 23 Michigan with one of their worst losses in years. The Terps went on the road and lost to unranked Northwestern 81-58, to a bit uncharacteristic by the Terps.
1: Yeah, that's a program that doesn't lose games like that. Sometimes you gotta wonder if the Terps are on the way up or the way down in women's basketball, but they certainly win their share of games.
0: Well, they are able to bounce back against Ohio State, which is not as impressive a as mate sound as Ohio State is, I believe, 0-3 in Big Ten play, won or, sorry, 72-62 to at home, Effort spearheaded by the Big Ten preseason player of the year, Kayla Charles, who led all scorers with 28 points, scoring 13 from 19 from the field, and also had four steals. Lady Terps return to action tomorrow, which is Thursday night, at Iowa. So Maryland
1: gets the Lady Buckeyes One night, they get the men. The next night, you come out with two wins. That's the way to treat the Buckeyes. We'll get them back for that football game
0: sooner or later. And moving on to gymnastics. Uh, Gymnastics will begin their season this Saturday in the Little Boston Invitational. They'll compete against uh, Westchester University of Pennsylvania, who they played the last few seasons, I believe, and George Washington up in Boston. Last season was one of the best seasons gymnastics ever had, going 17 for 8 in the Big Ten and Advanced NCAA Regionals. I hope you see more of the same from the I don't know what to call them, gymnastics Terps. The gymnastics team, yeah,
1: that's, sure. we call them, they're all Terps
0: to us. So, you got Terps in the NBA. Yep, Uh, Kevin Herter has now scored 19 or more points in each of his last four games, including a season-high 26 against Indiana on Saturday. Another note to that game that I saw online, uh, Maryland's three Atlanta players combined for about 52 points against Indiana.
1: So, that's Alex Len, Bruno Fernando, and Kevin Herter. Yeah, the Red Mamba's doing real good in the NBA. The only guy who could keep them under 20
0: points a game? Oh, I'll use that joke later. What else you got? Um, Also pro Terp news, Bleacher Report's Matt Miller, that's their head scouting guy, has three Terps on his NFL 2020 draft board. He has Antoine Brooks as the 10th-ranked safety. Uh, Brooks was also invited and will participate in the recent Senior Bowl. Great first step for his NFL career. And also got Ant-Mac and Javon Leak hovering around the 20 market running backs. Hope to see a few more terms drafted this year.
1: I'm not sure where they would have come from, but I'd go the more more terms that get drafted, the more hope there is for this program. Ant-Mac has breakaway speed. Javon Leak can certainly make it as a kick returner in the pros. That's a big tailback. Uh, along with that, Maryland football news, DJ Durkin hired as a defensive coordinator by Lane Kiffin as he moves on from FAU to Ole Miss and I I think that's a good hire. Technically, that's a good hire, although it set the Twitterverse on fire.
0: Yeah, um, DJ Durkin certainly has his fair share of haters out there. Uh, You can debate amongst yourselves if that's fair or not to him, but one person who seems to have somewhat moved on is Jordan McNair's father, Marty McNair, who quoted to the Baltimore Sun, I'll keep my comments private beyond I wish Durkin well and hope he has learned from the experience in Maryland. That's kind of surprising for me, honestly. That he was that positive? Yeah. Well, I'm.
1: everybody has their own view on what happened there. I'm still on the side that says I'm not really sure how much responsibility DJ Durkin has for what happened, but it certainly burned the football program down to the ground and gave Loxley this opportunity to be the head coach. And then suddenly, from the ashes of this past season, You start with some really good recruiting, and I think Maryland's back on the rise. It's just a shame, all around what happened. But always a DJ was always a a nice guy to us, but we
0: didn't have to go practice with that team. That's I think a good way to leave it. Um, On some other coaching news, former Maryland lacrosse player Carolyn Steele was named an assistant coach at St. Joseph's University Tuesday. She joins a staff comprised of the class of 2000 graduate head coach Alex. I used you say that last Cahoe. thing? C- Alex Cahoe and her teammate, Julie Berg, is also a former Terp and assistant. They got three Terps on the St. Joe's staff. I- I'd say that coach- having coaching alumni, especially in a sport of lacrosse where you can't go pro, is might be as good a sell as any to recruit with. Well, you put three
1: Terps on that St. Joseph's staff, and well, that's in, in Philadelphia, and eventually you're going to end up with a winner. Maryland lacrosse, especially on the women's side, all they do is win. And they're good at that.
0: Yes, they are. Um, We pushed our Terps in the pros, that's Terps in the NFL, till next week. We don't have enough material right now in the playoffs, and we're going to have a big wrap-up for the season after all the Terps are eliminated. Right now, only Terps remaining, I believe, are Quentin Jefferson with the Seahawks and Stefan Diggs with the Vikings, and I don't think there's anyone else. Oh, there's somebody who plays safety for the Packers. Oh, Darnell Savage. Sorry. Sorry to everybody out there for that one. Um, So now for our first big point today. Damon Evans unveiled the building champions project which comprises of nine athletic structures one of which is completed I think in Cofield House it's close enough um, but the, it's not done done but it's close well compared to these other ones it's pretty much done because we have five facility or sorry eight facilities here that have not even broke ground yet or have funding yet um three stadiums five practice centers we can go through them more in detail but first Wayne you're a bit of Terrapin club member for decades now what do you think of this grandmaster plan they unveiled it's
1: ambitious i think if you're going to get that big 10 money um it's good to spend it on infrastructure one thing that's not on this list of eight items other than i know that scoreboard's got to show up sooner or later at maryland stadium there's no rebuild of maryland stadium on this list but what you do get is a renovated and expanded field hockey, and Women's Lacs Stadium, that's on the other side of campus across from Xfinity Center.
0: Yeah, you have a track and field stadium, which I know quite a few people have clamored for for a while now. You also get um, a very interesting render, I don't know if you saw it, but of a rebuilt Ludwig Field, which would feature um, basically rebuilding everything around it and kind of creating the soccer atmosphere a lot of people have wanted for a while take out the track. That's personally the thing that has me most excited here is having that soccer-specific stadium.
1: Well, Maryland draws epic Friday night soccer crowds, the best in the nation. Maryland is the best place to watch a soccer game. Uh, You mentioned on the post-game show last night at Xfinity Center that Maryland basketball atmosphere is top ten, and that's probably true. I think Maryland basketball is top five, but Maryland soccer is a clear number one. So that's the one I would reward the fans with first, is rebuilding Ludwig. Now you have some other items that are up, the practice centers. One's for basketball, it's $40 million, but that's all private money. So that one's going to be taken care of. Nothing comes
0: out of the budget. What's the next one? Well, we have baseball development, which didn't have a cost. Um, that would feature kind of a basic looking structure to me. It would essentially feature an indoor field. That was about the extent of it. A softball development center, which is about the same thing, cost about $2 million. The golf player Roman center, I thought was kind of funny because the way they described it, it just sounded like a top golf to me.
1: Well, that's fine. A uh, million and a half dollars to help the golfers develop. You got to help everybody out. And then you're going to convert Gossett Teamhouse to lacrosse. And I'm not sure how much rebuild actually has to be done for that. I know that those who follow the lacrosse team are anxious for that because you have a national championship level team that still dresses in the varsity team house, which has been there for 50, 60 years, and having them move into Gossett at least puts them on a level playing field, maybe not completely level, but a lot closer to what the rest of the Big Ten has. I I think Hopkins leads that. They have a wonderful center, but lacrosse is the sport at Hopkins. Overall, it's nice that the improvements are there to be made. One of the places that the fans in the know want an improvement is in how much they pay the coaches for these non-rev sports. Maryland just isn't known for paying a whole lot. They're going to pay to hold on to Tillman. They're going to pay to hold on to Kathy Reese. But they've lost several baseball coaches over this. They've lost the best softball coach they've had in a long time over money. So I hope that there's money for everybody involved to continue to build the number one championship teams in the Big Ten since Maryland joined the conference. That's right. Maryland has won more conference championships since they joined the Big Ten than any other team in the Big Ten. And that's before they put a dime into making anything better. So you'd think that spending a little bit to make things better is going to lead to more wins. But look, Maryland wins a lot. They just don't win a lot. In football, and they haven't won any conference championships in men's basketball. And if they had they done that, this would be the nobody would be complaining. They go, "Oh, we don't belong in the Big Ten. That's baloney. We won more championships than anybody else in this conference. It just hasn't been in football.
0: Well, well something that um, I have talked with Mason about, and he's a big proponent of. And I want to get your two cents on it against the Terrapin Club donor. Um, is despite some criticisms. He's hailed Damon as one of the best fundraisers he's seen. And that's what kind of what I was thinking when I was looking at his price tags. I'm thinking $9 million, $4 million, Oh, my God, this is a lot of money. Where is this all going to come from? Well,
1: you have a full share of the Big Ten coming up. So Maryland's going to jump $20 million in revenue, and that's a permanent jump. I believe it's 2021. This is the last year. Maybe it starts this year. I have to find out when the league year starts. The league year probably starts July 1st. So starting July, got a lot more money than we had in June. And look, to join, our uh, partnership with the Big Ten was bought by getting a half a share of the revenue. Uh, Nebraska just finally got their full share. uh, Rutgers and Maryland get their full share this year. So there's just going to be more money. And the winning's there. I think... Whether you like the guy, you don't like the guy, or whether you like the guy before Kevin Anderson, other than football and basketball, championships are won at Maryland. They were before, they still are, under Debbie Yao. Maryland won championships, just not in the major revenue sports. So this is a great, great sports university. Not too many people say that because you don't look at uh, women's lacrosse championships and you don't really look at the men's lacrosse. You don't look at field hockey, but all these teams win. Men's soccer is legendary, but they just don't get a whole lot of uh, publicity. Not enough people go to the games. oh
0: so, uh... my, um, I guess I have two questions here. One is how do you decide who gets the stuff first? Because there's Again, there's eight things on here. How do you decide when you're going to... I assume you're not going to blow them ball at once. I don't think so. So how I... do you decide who goes first? Well,
1: you have some of these projects don't even have a cost. They're just some drawings. Like I said, I, the one that makes the most sense to me because they sell tickets is renovating Ludwig. If you rebuild Ludwig, you're going to end up with 20,000 people jammed into a soccer stadium, and it's going to be... It'll be the Rupp Arena... Of, of soccer. Or it'll be the Alabama of soccer. That is the place to go watch a game. Uh, the Basketball Performance Center is on its own schedule. About 19 of the 40 million dollars has been raised. And as for the rest of it, the Gossett Hall to lacrosse. When football moves to Cole, Gossett becomes the home to the lacrosse team. That's an easy one. That's easy. So there's a couple easy ones. And we'll the renovations, there's already a new field at the Field Hockey and Women's lacrosse Stadium. So they got that done already. So I'm not sure what else they're going to do to that. Then you're going to build a new track and field. So I think you have to, logistically, you need a new track and field area before you rebuild Ludwig. So that'll leave the Baseball Development Center, Softball, and the Golf Development Center. And the cheapest one is the Golf Development Center. And when the golfers aren't using it, I'm sure the public will be able to use that because they use the golf course across the street from uh, the football stadium. So these all make sense, and they're not outstandingly expensive. I still want to know, what are we doing with this scoreboard, and when are we going to get it? I've joked with Damon all through the holiday season that he make it to the Black Friday at Best Buy to buy the new scoreboard. And I think he's, he's tired of me asking him. But I, I would like a new scoreboard. Now, hopefully we'll have an offense that can put some points on that. But one way or the other, I am so tired of hearing from opposing fans uh, that joke of what what high school did you steal the scoreboard from? But unfortunately, that scoreboard is, is bad. How does yeah, it compare to the Fargo Dome? It's
0: smaller. The Fargo Dome has um, 19,000 seats, and the s- scoreboards are bigger. And better. And better. They're nice scoreboard. We're, like, we're right next to Daktronics, though.
1: Well, um, right next to. What's that? It's Fargo it's next door. Four, is six hours? Four hours.
0: Four hours. And where where is Daktronics? In, Brook- we, in Brookings, South Dakota, home of our arch rival. Well, we do get good stuff from them.
1: Yeah. The arch rival is South Dakota State. And we stopped in to Daktronics just to see how the scoreboards were made a couple of years ago. I didn't see much. But Kentucky's new football scoreboard was on the lot.
0: Yeah. And,
1: and then they have to break those down, stick them on the back of a truck, and drive them from Brookings, South Dakota, to wherever they're going. So I guess Fargo's a lot closer than driving that scoreboard to Lexington, Kentucky.
0: So just some notes. Um, Ludwig's new capacity will be about 10.5, and the uh, seats will be right up against soccer fields like you see in every other stadium. And the uh, field hockey women's across team is going to expand the capacity to, I think, about 4,000, also at a team house, basically, like Gaza is. And my last thing, which you kind of covered, is which one do you want to see the most? And I'd have to say Rebuilt Ludwig's is kind of the easy answer for me. All
1: right. Uh,
0: Hey, if this is Terrapin Club money or
1: Big Ten money or wherever the money comes from, I'm I'm happy that things are being improved. Um, Once again, if I can't say it too much, I'm still looking for my scoreboard. So if anybody sees it, let me know.
0: Stop by Dektronix and see. Um, And our last point, though it's going to be a big one, is so men's basketball has kind of 180'd this last month or so, twice, I'd say. First you had the kind of Really bad couple... Uh, if you won 80 twice, does that give you, you 360? Yeah, yeah that, well, it doesn't sound as good as you say it like that. But that's kind of what's happened, is we were doing well. We were 10-0. Then we had our uh, couple, couple of bad weeks against Seton Hall and Penn State. And now we're back to we beating Indiana into the ground. We beat Ohio State. I guess optimism meters kind of back up, and it's it's a whirlwind of the season already.
1: Yes, In one word, yes, that's what happened. The team fractured, and you could see it coming apart, and apparently it was the Mitchell Twins. There was somebody needing to stand up and say, this is my team. And I think that was Anthony Cowan finally being a little more vocal in that it's his team, and this is their chance, and they they can do this. So you add that to the Lions, Shaul Marial, Showing up seven foot two from South Sudan, he was the number one player, number one college recruit in the country until he got hurt. And he really hasn't played for two years. And he's not really in game shape, but his spirit is there. That is a guy that radiates sunshine, he radiates team. And you could tell the kids love him. And you could see the difference last night. I was sitting with Jordan as opposed to sitting on press row last night, and you watch. Maryland warm up, and they're dancing, and they're loose. And to see Shoal Marial at 7-2, he can't dance like Cowan or Ayala, but the guy's got some moves. So, and I, that, that's athleticism there. You're going to see that on a basketball court sooner or later.
0: He changes the game, but more importantly, he changed the team. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest factors we've seen so far is this the team looks like, and this has really been said a lot, but it's really true, so they're having fun. They're enjoying being here. And Mark Turgeon said after the Indiana game that something online, I don't remember exactly, but he said, you should be be having fun. You're 19 or 20 years old and you're playing basketball at Maryland. And that should mean something. This is a top 15, top 10 program. You see the crowds the team is drawn, even at the Ohio State game when it was snowing. There was, what, 15,000 people there? And more tickets were sold than that, but that's what showed up. And
1: when Purdue rolls into town, next Saturday, you're going to see a packed Xfinity Center. And uh, it may be, just maybe, and I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, maybe it is our time, finally. Now, you could certainly go, you, you got to remember, there's still 16 league games left. You're 3-1. and You probably have two or three Big Ten tournament games, so that's 19. And then if you're good, you get six NCA tournament games leading up to the championship level. So, you're looking at 25 more games to go, and it seems like we've been watching this team for forever, and there's still 25 games to go. Maybe it's only 24, but who knows? It's somewhere up there.
0: It really does feel that way, and (laughs) I'm not entirely sure why. Maybe because, like I said, we've already been through, like, three seasons, it feels like.
1: It does. Uh, The solidifying force ends up being Dante Scott. He ends up starting at power forward. You weren't even sure you're gonna see the kid at all. He's a freshman. You don't know what's gonna happen. And he ends up eating a lot of minutes at power forward. And he really isn't a power forward, but it works. The the one guy they don't have a backup for, if they need one, and right now they don't, is Jalen Smith. Everybody else, there's a plan B. Jalen Smith, the plan B is either Shoal Marial, who can't play at the mo- moment more than I don't know, eight to ten minutes a game. And then behind him is who uh, Mason calls JT, which is Joshua Tomajic, who really doesn't play at this level. He's a really smart kid. He's from Spain. He went to Canaris Academy. He wasn't that big a recruit. He just played in a really good high school program. He speaks seven languages. He's another kid you'd probably hire as a babysitter, but you probably wouldn't look for him to be a center in the Big Ten. So if something happens to Jalen, we're a little soft there. And last night, the opportunity to have something happen was there. I mean, he was right. up against a wide load in... Uh,
0: Caleb Weston. And this is something, at least that we said in our preview episode, going into the season, is we looked at the roster and said, even Ant, you know, we have enough guards. You can cycle through Aiella Smith Sero-Smith. You can get enough to hold it together. But, again, before the season, you look at the roster, and Sticks is the only... He's, I feel weird to call him a center, because, again, he's, he's just so skinny. But... He, that's what he is. He's the center of the team, both position-wise and kind of offense-wise now. He's really become who the team runs through, which is, again, bizarre, but that's what it is. If We want to talk individually about these games, though. The Indiana game, it was close at first, but you said something to me at halftime that really rang true.
1: Well, I sat in the end zone there where Maryland was shooting, and this is true in almost every venue. Uh, in the first half, the offense is away from from your bench, which means the defense is next to your bench. And then it flips in the second half. Indiana's defense was being actively and heavily coached by their bench. And it's not illegal. But every play Turgeon called, the Indiana coaches called out where to move everybody. And they were about a half step ahead of Maryland. And even with that, Maryland was up, was it 28 20 at halftime? I think 22. But 28 22 at halftime. And they were. So you're watching the game, and you hear the coach tell Tommy to move over two steps because the ball's coming his way. And darn it, one second later, the ball comes his way, and he's ready. And they yelled, the other kid, the ball's coming your way, and they're ready. And I went over to Jordan and said, without that coaching, Maryland's going to score 50 points in in the half because they already scored 28. And Indiana was calling out the plays before Maryland ran them. Without that, Maryland would have scored 50 points. Well, they didn't score 50 in the second half. They scored 45. Uh, Look at the box score. 47. 47. So it was close. And with that, so even with knowing every play Maryland's going to run, Maryland still had the lead on Indiana, and that's really impressive. Now, I did the same thing for the LSU game in the NCAA tournament. It was in Jacksonville. And... That's one of the reasons that these teams that scream actively at their defense seem to get a little bit of an edge against Maryland, and then without that in the second half, they don't do nearly as well. So I can't really tell you that that helps. It might be better to not be so vocal and let these kids learn where they're supposed to go rather than telling them while the play's going, because when they're 90 feet away at the other end of the court, they really can't hear you and they're on their own. And...
0: Yeah, it, for Indiana, it really cost them. Yeah, that was, that reminded me of the another Indiana team against Notre Dame when we were just, I was watching it on TV that time and I was just watching Maryland and being like, wow, look at the athletes we have. Look at the talent on this team. And that was another game against Indiana where that's a Big Ten team. That's supposed to be a really good Big Ten program. And we were just, we outclassed them. It looked like JV versus varsity out there. And that really surprised me. Archie Miller's having some issues.
1: Last night, Chris Holtman has some issues. The issues are that once the bright lights are on, especially on the road, their guys can't shoot. Ohio State warmed up like a house on fire. But in the game, when it mattered, they couldn't make a basket. Chris Holtman said after the game that you can't just go out and warm up and think that you got your groove back. It happens to work day after day and have the right habits and do the right things. And, yeah, Ohio State looked like they solved their shooting slump before the game started. As soon as that whistle blew and they threw the ball up in the air, the shooting slump was back. They're talented enough, and Turgid said they're talented enough that if they get themselves sorted out, they could win the national championship, talking about Ohio State. You could certainly see that, but they just don't play like it. Now, is it Maryland's defense, or is it playing on the road in the Big Ten? What's the deal here, Jor?
0: Well, we're going to find out. On Friday, we play Iowa, but... I think it might be a combination of those things, but in a different way, because one thing that I noticed, I was recently combing through our Turp Talk videos for a little side project, and one thing I noticed that Ant said in both the recent interview against Ohio State and against Indiana was that the crowd plays a huge factor in getting the defensive intensity up, which isn't a bad thing. It's probably a good thing if you're a fan to hear that. It gives you some encouragement (laughs) to be loud. But it makes me worried that if you go to Iowa, where there's gonna, they're going to pack the house, they're going to have 15,000 Iowa fans screaming for the other team. It makes me worried that the defense intensity is going to fade.
1: Or not show up. That, that's a good point. Maryland feeds, and you see it in these slow starts, but the defense is there. And then they get a couple turnovers, and it gets them a couple open shots, and the next thing you know, just like last night, you score 67 points in 35 minutes. And Maryland's completely capable of doing that. Why they don't do it for 40 minutes, I don't know. They have been notoriously slow starters the past couple years. And you hope they can fix that. But when they go to, speaking about Maryland, the game's rolling along, the defensive intensity picks up, and now lately you go to Shoal And all the stand, all the kids in the lower stands around the court start
0: with their skull chant. What's a skull chant, Jor? Um, historically, it's a Viking war chant. It's kind of a gruesome story. I'm not going to get into the background behind it, but it's become a Vikings tradition. And one of the best ones in the NFL. And we've kind of, I don't know the words, commandeered it for our own use.
1: Appropriated it for this season.
0: Yeah. For Shaol Riel, who's... So when, if you're watching on
1: TV and you see him come in and all the kids are slow clapping above their heads and saying, Chol, 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 And the, the intensity ramps up. And then he alters a couple shots, and suddenly the floodgates open. I don't know if you can bring that. They say defense travels, but that kind of defense that's fueled by the crowd, I don't know how well it travels, but we're going to get to see. It's at in the, It's at Iowa. And then... At Wisconsin. Right, and then Purdue at home. At Northwestern, and there's one more,
0: and I can't remember what it is. I couldn't tell you at the moment either, but... None of them are ranked at the moment, though. Yeah, we have a stretch of about a month where we're not playing anybody ranked. The Rutgers might be ranked next week, so that could change.
1: Yeah. Uh, Is it Steve Pike-Hell?
0: Yes, he's uh, done a
1: heck of a job up there. Yeah, the rack could be rocking. That might be a road trip we have to take. It's going to be a lot of red. It's, It's all red. A lot of red in the Big Ten. Yeah, I've noticed that for a while now. So Indiana walks into the building at noon on Saturday, and it had that vibe that you were at a big game. And I almost fell ACC-ish.
0: Yeah, I did. And then
1: Ohio State comes in. They brought a lot of fans. And it sort of gets that vibe. This is a big game. And then Purdue's coming in. And, well, that's always a big game. You got Purdue. And you got Iowa coming in. You got Michigan. You got Michigan State. Yeah, I can go through the whole schedule without looking at it. And these games, maybe not Rutgers, maybe not Penn State yet maybe not illinois or nebraska but there's a handful of them that's starting to feel that these are our conference foes you said iowa doesn't like maryland you know darn well the maryland fans don't like coach fran what do you think is the, the reason for that conflict
0: well i think it started when uh a couple years back when what Iowa was really good they had all those guys uh remember jared utah's like the main one jordan ohannon uh the you are ugly chant. the you are ugly guys um <laughs> The what were we ranked? Like we were number eight and there were three or something like that? That was where it all started because oh, Maryland fans were nasty. No everybody knows this. If you don't know this, well, well Some of us are even proud of it. <clears throat> yeah, some of us are. Some yeah, of us that, in this
1: room maybe. Yeah, that sort of New York, New Jersey FU kind of fan base that'll tell you to in a rude way to get the hell out of there. And that really irks. These super nice on the outside Big Ten fans.
0: Yeah, that reminds, I got to tell this one now. When we were, the Big Ten Championship was in D.C., Well, I think three years ago now. I was sitting um, with some, I think, Illinois Northwestern fans or something. Yeah, you, you had 200 seats. You were in the club. I was on the floor. And I remember I was, you know, jacked up. This is our home conference tournament game. We're not going to talk about how that went. But... I was all excited, and the Maryland fans were being Maryland fans out there. We were, we were acting like it was a home game. I remember that, too. We were really comfortable at um, Verizon Center at the time. And we were screaming at every call, you know, getting on the opponents. And uh, Northwestern fans said, um, at some point in the second half, when we were starting to lose, he said, oh, this is no way to watch a basketball game. In my head, I was thinking, this is the only way to watch a basketball <laughs> okay. game. But that one quote, this is no way to watch a basketball game, has just summed up my whole thing with Big Ten fans. Well, I remember... Taking you and
1: Mason to a Capitals playoff game against the Rangers. And I believe even I learned some new words. I think the Rangers lost that night. No, they won the
0: first one and second We went to two games that series.
1: One of those. And you go, you know, that that's the atmosphere. It's like going to a hockey playoff game, going to a Maryland basketball game. And there's a reason that I always equate, you know, if you never went to Maryland Duke, that's okay. Go to a Caps playoff game. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, The hatred might not be there.
0: Well, if you play the Penguins or the Flyers. Okay,
1: the hatred can be there. But since we're never going to get to do that again, just go to a couple playoff games and you get that feeling. I hope, beyond hope, that Michigan State's really good and Maryland's really good and you get halfway there when, when Michigan State comes in. I'm trying to get to East Lansing for the game on the 15th because if it doesn't happen this year... It ain't going to happen. When you got Cowan, you got Smith, you got guys who are going to play in the NBA. If Aaron Wiggins ever relearns how to shoot, because boy, can he dunk as an offside rebounder. My goodness, he's effective. But he just doesn't shoot like he used to.
0: Well, before we're starting at right out of time here, let's talk about the actual game against Ohio State. First off, yeah, that was one of the best environments I've seen at Xfinity Center. At least I've seen it a little bit. I've been away for a while. But on the whole, it was as good a performance as I thought we could have. Um, Sticks stood up to Caleb Weston. I think we talked about that earlier, but it bears more discussion. Sticks has gotten a lot of knocks for being soft, but he stood up to a guy who looked like he had 50 pounds on him. I don't know if he actually did, but he looked like he did. Well, he acted like he did.
1: I mean, Jalen Smith still has this problem. When you run into him, sometimes he falls down as though he were a sack of potatoes, as they say. And uh, he stood his own. And he didn't get frustrated, and he didn't lash out. And suddenly his calm demeanor in that storm did him well because Caleb West had sort of lost his stuff there a little bit and it cost him some fouls and it changed the game. And I'm sure nobody wants to go, okay, we're going to take out Jalen Smith. We got this easy. Oh my God. They bring in Shaw Muriel who changes, alters every shot that's thrown at him. So uh, one, two punch. And I said, it's 14 feet of human that weighs 300 combined pounds between <laughs> Uh, sticks, and you know, I don't know what you can call Shomariel, because he's thinner than sticks. Giraffe. The giraffe. I call him Gumby at this point, as he <laughs> stretches around the basket. Uh, big ups to Sorrell Smith, who changed his demeanor on the court. Boy, can you see it. It
0: was the best three-point performance I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, well, he made the one basket, but he he deflects balls. He, he changes... He's another guy that changes the way you have to pass the ball, because he only played... Nine minutes, but man, did he play hard for that nine. And then you have everybody else who's a quasi-starter. Eric Ayala, That turgid said he sort of messed him up by changing the rotation pattern. 23 minutes. We talked about Wiggins for a bit. What do you get from Dante Scott?
0: Dante Scott is another guy who's as tough as anybody else in the Big Ten. And that's someone who the fans have wanted for years. Someone who punches like a Big Ten player. And that's what he does. He goes out there and he gets... he. Pl- like 33 minutes I'm actually just reading that for the first time that's a lot of minutes for him seven points five rebounds but he was in there he was tough he played good defense he got everything you wanted out of him and he
1: played point forward against the zone and got uh, sticks open for a dunk Daryl Morsell
0: you're starting to see the athleticism and the talent this guy might actually play at the next level he's becoming more than the glue guy He's actually becoming a positive offensive force, which is something he's had to do for years now and he's doing it, and now he's a complete player.
1: Well, he has Dante Scott to now be his glue guy, and Darryl Morsell can now go out and do other things. And then you have Anthony Cowan, oh,
0: who... Scored 20 points in the quietest way possible.
1: He, yes. He, he just snuck up on you. He, he's been known for big shots and big games. He got to the foul line. He made them foul him. They Maryland in a soft and competent way, was relentless. They were a velvet hammer the other night, where Ohio State was outwardly frenetic and pushing and shoving. Maryland fought back
0: in their own way and prevailed. And if, at, I just want to say, it felt like they had the advantage, too. Ohio State was going in there playing. I said they were playing a football game in there, but Maryland, for the reason, just looked in control the entire time. It was bizarre to watch, almost. So,
1: Maryland goes through a really tough stretch where they had 14 turnovers in the first half. Turned to you and said they're going to get four or five turnovers, uh, and they're going to finish this game. I think they had 12. I take that back. They had 12 turnovers in the first half. They end up with 16. And that's just another way of saying they got the game under control. The pace picked up, but the turnovers went down. That's hard to do. One of these days, again, if we're lucky... Wiggins learns how to shoot. Dante Scott doesn't feel like a freshman anymore. Shoal Marial can go 20 minutes. And all of a sudden, if you're lucky, if this is your year, you could see this working out. You could also see Jalen Smith pulling a hamstring or something and the whole thing going the wrong way. So, unfortunately, it hinges on, right now it still hinges on one guy. So what do you see for the
0: Iowa game? Oh, Iowa's was ranked for a minute. Um, they're not anymore, but they're a good team. Uh, their star is someone who uh, is from Washington, D.C., and I know you talked to a Big to me eh? Luca Garza, the seven-foot center, who's going to be put up against Sticks. And again, if like you said, the whole thing's going to hinge on Sticks. If anything happens to him against a guy like Garza, the game's over. Well, Luca getting 22.5 points. He was coached in high school
1: by Lefty's son, and that is Chucky Drizel, and he was a... Luca was a Moray frog from the Moray School in D.C. That game's at seven o'clock on Friday, and I'm going to put that interview. I haven't posted it yet. It's from Media Day, and we'll get that up on Terp Talk. And for those who haven't done so, you got to check out Terp Talk. We've got all of the post game videos. We got the post game show, and Jordan was on the post game show last night, and Mason on the the. Game before, so that post-game show gets some really nice comments because it's done right after the game, standing on the A of Maryland in that end zone where the players run off the court, and it's become a Maryland tradition. And hopefully, we get some more cool guests on there. Uh, had the timing been different, uh, we would have had SVP on last night.
0: Yeah, but uh, he uh, skipped the venue early. Fortunately, um, yeah, this Maryland team is primed for big things. You'd like to think. But this Iowa game, I think, is going to be a big tell for how well we hold up on the road. And if like if my last thing is going to be, if we win this game, meter is going to go off the charts.
1: I don't think we're winning, but that's just, my, that's just my gut feeling. Is Look, Iowa lost a couple in a row. They're at home. It's Friday night sellout crowd. Uh, we're going to have to see if that defense travels. And And hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully that defense travels well.
0: Uh, I hope you're wrong, too, and it's, it's like the fan of me and the realist of me are fighting it again. I'm going to say Iowa wins 73-69. I,
1: I will take that as a final note. I'm not getting into the score. I just think we're going to lose, and anybody uh, who doesn't think this would go either way, home teams in the Big Ten, I think, right now are 23-3. and Really? Yeah.
0: Wow. I didn't know that one.
1: Yep. So it is hard, impossibly hard to win on the road in the Big Ten. And uh, with yep. that, that's all I got. It's a nice half hour on Maryland basketball.
0: Jordan, Mason, thanks for having me on tonight. Oh, well, thanks for coming. And again, we're brought to you by Viner Four Gates and Allied Party Rentals. For all your party needs, tents, chairs, whatever you need to throw up your big party, call Allied at, do we have the phone number? We do. And we'll throw that up
1: here. You know, Donnie's been a, a great fan of the show and a great fan of the Terps. Give him a call for your party rental needs at 301-259-3690 and of course for all your IT needs, if you need a website, e-commerce, you need to get your network sorted out or you're afraid you might be vulnerable to viruses and hackers, get your peace of mind from an organization that has always supported the Maryland Terrapins, Viner Four Gates. Give us a call in Rockville at 301- Two five one twenty nine hundred, and if you're out of the area you can hit us up on the 800 number 877 8776 viner four gates in rockville get your system get your business systems taken care of by the best technicians out there
0: maryland terrapin technicians well thanks for listening and hopefully we'll be back soon with another episode until then stay safe out there